What's up, Dojo Nation? The Odyssey continues. Welcome to another episode of A Flavor Odyssey. Your host, Robbie Raz. Well, wrong side. That's our co-host, Randy Grigg. <laughs> We're coming to you from Lot B and Lot C. A, baby. Lot A, baby. Lot A. Lot A. Lot A, baby. Uh, oh, look at this. The HQ. Yeah. Oh, the whole intro is all off the rails at this point, but we kind of figured that was going to happen. We're coming to you. Uh, a Flavor Odyssey continues. Episode W. Randy, brought to you by the fine folks at Drew Estate Cigars. Drew Estate, the rebirth, the rebirth of, cigars. of cigars. That was about as good as that was going to get, given that we're about, I don't know, 30 miles apart. Yeah, it, it definitely has more of a like natural vibe when you're sitting next to me. This whole sitting in the studio by myself thing is uh, a little unsettling. Yeah, it's it's kind of lonely, right? A little bit. But we have Eric. <laughs> That's right, Hi, Eric. Eric. Uh, producing tonight uh, live in uh, the Magic Herf submarine. So I'm excited to uh, get to do a live show. We got a studio audience here too. A studio audience. Hanging out, the boys joining us. We got the pairing down pretty much close to what you guys have. Couldn't get exact beer, but uh, pretty doggone close. That's all right. That's all right. It's going to be fun. It should be a good night. Hopefully, uh, you guys are out there, guys and gals, are out there with uh, your pairings. Uh, as I mentioned the other day, um, you don't have to have the same stuff that we're pairing. And I figure that since we're going live, that gives us an opportunity to maybe talk a little bit about uh, what you guys are smoking and drinking. Um, to focus a bit on what we're smoking and drinking. How do you like that segue? We have got the wise man Maduro from our good friend Nick Melillo at Foundation Cigars. Um, we're smoking, Randy. This is the Corona Gorda? Correct. The Corona Gorda. That one checks in at what? Uh, five and five-eighths by 46. So that's a nice size. I like that 46 ring gauge. And we are drinking, Randy, a fantastic classic beer here, the West Mall Trappist Ale Double, Belgian Double. Um, Randy, I know you've got a bunch of info on this beer. I've had this beer a ton. Uh, this, uh, For some reason, early on in my beer drinking days, I uh, gravitated toward doubles. And I don't know what beer it was that got me started on them, but uh, they're as far as malt forward beers go, I think they're my favorite. Yeah, no, uh, they are very flavor forward, as you said. They're they've got a good malt character. Uh, got a lot going on being a Belgian style ale in general, um, but we can we can get into we'll that get, now, or are we going to get into that later? No, uh, we'll we'll get into it. Um, just want to do a quick reminder since you guys are watching live and those of you tuning in on podcast, thank you for, uh, for the download. We appreciate it. If you go in there and give us a, a review, four stars, Randy knows everything about beer is a great, uh, little, uh, tagline to put under your review. Um, but since we're live tonight on Facebook and this is a totally different thing for us, hit that share button and share it with, uh, all your friends on Facebook. I've shared it, Randy. I assume you've shared it. Uh, hopefully we can get some folks who uh, can normally can't watch the show live or maybe have never watched the show before can tune in 
and, uh, and and enjoy this show with us. This should be a lot of fun. Yeah. No. I... Hey, Randy. Uh, yeah. jo- Jordan or uh, Jack asked in in for Jordan. He said, "Why didn't you guys choose Westy 12? Uh, because you can't get Westy 12? Is, is, that, is that the only answer? You know, I waited in line for Westy 12 uh, for hours one time, and I'm not really a, much for waiting in line for beer. Um, that one has come to America um, on a commercial level exactly once, and that was when the, uh, the monastery needed some upkeep and uh, and they were making a big effort to raise some money, so they sent it to America that once. Otherwise, the only way to get Westy 12, uh, West Vleteran 12 in America is uh, when someone smuggles a couple bottles in their suitcase. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that one's like the 100 rated top one of the top beers in the world, right? I mean, that's what that's the way people view that beer, correct? We're locked. Is, am I locked up or is Randy locked Randy, up? Randy, are you still there, Randy? I am. I right. am. kind of locked up for a second there. Uh, that's, that's all right. It's bound to happen. It's live, and uh, you know, <laughs> we'll just roll with it. Did you, Randy? I don't think you heard my question. That, oh, I did. That, I did. I never lost you guys. So, um, the um, uh, the beer writer Michael Jackson, uh, no relation, Ooh. uh, actually referred to uh, West Veteran Twelve as. Uh, the greatest beer in the world, the best beer in the world. And, you know, in those days, he was the uh, foregone conclusion of, you know, the most knowledgeable beer person in the world. And so they kind of got that tagline from him and and wrote it uh, significantly. I, I might have actually, you know, I said I w- waited for hours to buy six packs of that beer. I might have uh sold one of those six packs on craigslist for about 15 times more than i paid for it <laughs> people think it's the best beer in the world it's not but scalping just out there scalping randy's i was selling young beer randy selling beer and hand sanitizer um <laughs> but okay so westy westy 12 is great and we and actually we talked about it i thought i had two in my fridge i have one so it wasn't really an option uh to do i would have been uh, happy to uh to give one to Randy and do it on the show. But <clears throat> to be fair, we did bring it up and I would, I called it uh, West Berlin or something like that, like West Berlin, but not really. And I was just wrong with the name. So I'm not good at saying stuff like that. It's got but, an umlaut in there, right? There's an umlaut, I think. Uh, West Vluttering? There might be. Yeah. Um, but since West Vluttering came up, uh, let me just uh, kick out something. You, you referred to the beer we're drinking uh, tonight, Rob, as uh, Trappist Ale, um, and as as with many beer topics, uh, I do have kind of a soapbox um, thing to say about Trappist beer because it's uh, it's commonly misunderstood. A lot of people don't know what that means. Um, so a Trappist Ale uh, is a legal denotion of um, of how the beer is made. Uh, there are several things about the process, but what's most important and what really makes something legally able to be called Trappist Ale is that it's brewed at a monastery and the brewing operations are done personally or at least um, directly overseen by a secular monk. Uh, So it's monks brewing beer in a church is what makes it a Trappist Ale, and those churches have to actually be... um, 
improved through their techniques. We'll get into uh, the techniques of brewing a double here in a minute. But um, but there's only seven Trappist breweries in the world. Uh, West Vlederen is one of them. Uh, West Mall is another. So uh, uh, six of those are in Belgium. One is in uh, the Netherlands. And so um, that's what makes a Trappist ale a Trappist ale. Anything else that's a double or a triple that's uh, of the same style, those could be Abbey Ales, so like Duval is an Abbey Ale, as uh, the brewery Duval was given, um, has basically a contract with a church, with a, a secular church there in Belgium. And so they're allowed to make the same style of beer, but since it's not a monk actually doing the brewing, uh, they have to call it an Abbey Ale. So that's what Trappist and Abbey Ales are, just FYI. Well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey uh hey real no. quick uh robbie robbie yeah. real quick there's been a couple comments because you guys both live in the san francisco area they're very close to one another correct but yet you're not together in studio correct. so you want to touch on that real quick uh <laughs> not really this is some, this well, is some social well, social distancing yeah, happening so, so, it's there is some social distancing happening um in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, as of was it Monday, Randy, or maybe it was it was over the weekend, <clears throat> whatever day it was, um, we are in a uh, shelter in place, as uh, basically meaning you are to stay home, other than uh, going out for like essential needs, like you have to go to the doctor, you have to go to the grocery store to get food, check on family members, that kind of thing. And, uh, that's, <clears throat> so that's kind of where we are. So, um, it's, uh, that's, yeah, that's why we're in our separate places. That's why Randy's at home and I'm at home. Does, is it, is it nice not having to sit next to him for a show? Like just, uh... I actually kind of miss it. I thought <laughs> that I would enjoy it, especially <laughs> since like today, like it's been a hectic week, especially in the beer industry. Um, cause we're, ba we've basically been shut down. And I don't need to get into all that, but it's we're trying to come up with ways to still uh, offer our beer to the public and uh, keep some of these small businesses alive. So it's it's been pretty stressful uh, for me. And I thought that, you know, wow, thank God I don't have to go to Randy's house and have to, you know, he's going to be drinking Cuban coffee and bouncing off the walls. But uh, no, I actually wish I was there. It's all it's this there. This is our, our it's I feel really like we've stretched the cord pretty far. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit difficult. Uh, first question, Randy, right off the bat for you. Uh, Jack Heyer wants to know, didn't a Trappist monastery open up in the States? There was a, um, a bunch of liars in New York oh. that, uh, uh, yeah, th there, there's been efforts, um, and they've operated under that name for temporary periods of time and then been shut down. Um, you know, people want to try and capture, uh, uh, you know, the marketing opportunity there and use the name, but, uh, legally speaking, no, All right. they would tell you otherwise there, there's a brewery in New York that would tell you otherwise, but they're liars. Let's name the brewery. <laughs> Come on. What is it? Well, yeah. What do you got? No, no, I'd rather not. <laughs> oh, man. Everybody no. look it up real quick. <laughs> yeah, it probably shouldn't be that hard to find. I'm getting a, like the sun is coming right through. So I'm going to lean a little bit closer to the camera so you guys can get a real good look at me. Um, 
So we, uh, so yeah, so this week we're uh, we're remote. Maybe next week it'll be different. Who knows? The the situation for us is is like a two week thing. So I think uh, April seventh, I think, is the day that everything's supposed to be lifted. But who knows? I mean, they're now saying in California that schools might not open again until the fall. So I mean, who knows? Baseball's pushed back. Everybody's kind of uh, um, <clears throat> having to uh, make some concessions to get through uh, this little this little blip that we're going through. But uh, let's pull it back and talk a little bit about uh, the cigar that we're smoking. So I've, I've got the uh, some info on the wise man Maduro here from a lovely website called CigarDojo.com. If you don't know it, you should check it out. Um, so this, uh, this cigar, the wise man Maduro, a Mexican San Andreas wrapper, Nicaraguan Corojo 99 binder from Jalapa. I love tobacco from Jalapa. There's just that nice little sweetness in there. It's kind of an earthy kind of sweetness. I really dig it. And then the fillers are uh, Nicaraguan as well, which makes this, Randy, a Nicaraguan puro. Uh, nice. Condega, Esteli, and Jalapa. Uh, it comes from the Taps of Factory, regular production. Um, you can find it in a bunch of sizes. This Corona Gorda checks in at about 10 bucks, which is a little pricey for a Corona Gorda, in my opinion. Good cigar, though. Uh, the Robusto 5.5 by 50 uh, Churchill seven by forty eight traditional. What was the we had a Churchill? What was it last week? A seven by fifty six. That was a big old Churchill. Um, torpedo six and a quarter by fifty two and a. Oh man, Randy, I wish I could have you say this. Toro, I'm gonna say Hauco, H A U C O. I don't know. Uh, six by fifty six. So uh, a few different sizes, and I mean everybody here, one hundred and fifty percent of us, as you all know. Um, have smoked some cigars from Nick. Um, <clears throat> Nick Melillo uh, started out with Drew Estate. <clears throat> or that's really where everybody knows him from. I don't know exactly where he started in this industry. He probably started before then. But um, has done his own thing with Foundation for, wow, how many years now? Five or six years? Five sounds about right. Give or take. Uh, came back into action with the, the Tabernacle. Um, that was his first, no, it was Way Wednesday was his Way first Wednesday, yeah. original wise man. And then the tabernacle and everything took off from there and he makes some, some, just some great stuff. One of the nicest guys in the industry too. Just a lot of fun to talk to super down to earth. Randy, you and him have a lot in common. You guys both like the reggae music and, uh, and all that. Yeah. That makes us basically the same person. Totally. Uh, <laughs> no, Nick, Nick's, uh, absolutely. You said he's a, a great guy. I've heard his story about how John drew, um, Brought him aboard. At, yeah, just about five years. I was right. Perfect. Um, yeah, I think I strive he, to be correct at all times. <laughs> yeah, he started out. He was at a retailer, and John Drew like hit him up and told him he wanted him to come work for Drew, uh, uh, for Drew Estate. And um, but I'll tell you what, I had that Wednesday, the the first uh, release from Foundation, and and that to me typifies. Nicaraguan flavor. It typifies Aganorsa leaf tobacco. Uh, I, that's when I fell in love with Aganorsa leaf tobacco and, and all, pretty much all the brands that are coming out of Tapsa. Um, but uh, but it, when he came back with this Maduro version of it, man, this is a, a go-to cigar for me. I smoke this one quite a bit. I uh, love the Corona Gorda Vitola. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, this is the first time I've had the Corona Gorda. Uh, I feel like I smoked just a regular Robusto before. 
starts out really spicy, like a lot of almost red pepper spice uh, on the retrohale. And it's, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's got a pretty good kick at the beginning. And I'm probably, I don't know, I guess about an inch in, and that's really calmed down. There's definitely a nice sweetness in there, some earthiness as well. Still kind of formulating it on my palate, but it's off to a really nice start. Not, um, <clears throat> not super, super strong, but not a, a light cigar by any means either, uh, like a medium plus really for me. Um, so, uh, Randy, let's talk about the beer just a little bit. I know you went into the, the Trappist thing. Yeah. But, uh, tell us a bit more about this beer in particular. Sure. So Westmail actually is credited with creating the style of Belgian double. Um, originally, uh, Trappist breweries used um, a scale that had to do with the gravity, which was indicative of the strength and of the taxes that were paid. Uh, so for like the West letter and 12, there's a six, eight and 12. Uh, those, those are kind of boring but it, it relates to the play-doh and the specific gravity uh, of the beer i won't go too deep into it but it was in- indicative of the strength and so west mail started out in 1794 as a church they didn't have a brewery they didn't they weren't classified as a trappist uh brewery just yet it wasn't until 1836 that they got um their certification as a Trappist brewery. So it's kind of funny because if you look it up, it'll say that they were founded in 19, in 1836, but that's, they, they existed before then. Um, but it really wasn't until 1926 that a, a professional brewer came to the brewery and was hired to work with them to develop um, kind of a newer version of the double. So they had been brewing this uh, Belgian brown ale for years that was very, very popular. People knew it. And as and we've talked about on this show that, you know, beers changed with different uh, industry kind of um, uh, advancements through roasting of barley, through the, the um, kilning of barley. And so in, 18, in 1926, uh, they developed the recipe basically that this started off as. This has been virtually the same since then. Um, and we've talked about Belgian beers on this show before. You know, I, I, I always like to make it as simple as possible and tell people, you know, if you, if you tell me you're pouring a Belgian beer across, you know, down the bar and just let me see the color of it, I'm going to be able to guess pretty good at what the flavor profile is going to be. Uh, what, one thing to note about Belgian beer in general is unlike English, German, and American beers, when you see a beer this dark, and this is, you know, a deep, deep brown color, uh, maybe a little bit of a garnet uh, reddish hue to it, but primarily brown. Um, in a German, English, or American beer to be brown in color, that's typically coming from a roasted barley. So you're going to get some chocolate and some roasted characters, characteristics possibly. With Belgian beers, they use caramelized beet sugar. Uh, beet sugar is a much longer chain of sugar, so it's much more complex. And so when the, the yeast ferment these long, exaggerated uh, sugar chains, they kick off more uh, different flavors. Phenols that are that of black pepper and cardamom, where um, the fruit characteristics from the ale yeast drive more to a raisiny sweetness, some plums, some stewed fruit characteristics. 
but that's mostly that those flavors and those colors are all coming from, from candy sugar, uh, which is again a beet sugar, which is a, a natural agricultural product of Western Europe and Belgium specifically. So, um, so this beer is exactly that. It has a raisiny plum characteristic. It's between six and eight percent alcohol. This one, uh, I'm talking about the double style in general. This one is exactly between six and eight. It's seven percent alcohol exactly, um, and has some spicy characteristics. But it's going to have that stewed fruit, plum, raisiny sweetness, um, rather than any. There's no chocolate malt character. There's, um, you know, any malt flavor that you're getting should be uh, fairly light and bready from the base malt. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to agree with all of that, Randy. I think you nailed it on your description there. Well done. He's probably checking his emails. No, I'm not. Can you not hear me? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, well, I wasn't. I, see, it's it's weird, and I'm, this is I'm just being full transparency when. We're sitting next to each other. I can tell when he's about to be, when he's wrapping up his comment. I can tell <laughs> when he's coming to, 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 the, to the end of his comment. And I think it goes both ways. With this, it's just a, we'll get used to it. <clears throat> Hopefully we don't have to get used to it. Um, but uh, anyway, no, I, that's, that's 100%. And for me, it, it was, <clears throat> do you remember, Randy, the brewery in, I think it was in Concord, called Black Diamond? I know it well. And they had a double. Like it's yeah. called the double down or something like that. And it had uh <clears throat> like they were playing blackjack, there were cards on the label. Mm -hmm. That was the first double that I remember trying and thinking, wow, like every time I saw that beer, and it was available in bombers at the time, like everything else was. Uh they've since gone out of business, I believe. Correct. But that was the one that got me kind of uh hooked on these uh on these doubles. Um, and the, the brewery that I work for, uh, we produce a, a double called evening Vespers. It's very tasty. Uh, it's, it's just a, it, it's just a really good, uh, style of beer. If you like that type of stewed fruit, uh, that type of note this time of year, it's perfect in my opinion, uh, especially sitting out here in the garage and freezing my baguettes off. But, uh, it's, it does, it's kind of a nice winter warmer, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, the, the flavor notes. I'm getting some similar flavor notes between the cigar and uh, and the beer. We'll jump into the pairing here in a bit. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I want to give Eric. We didn't really say how you were going to chime in with a comment, so I want to give you an opportunity here if you want to. Uh, All right. Chime in. So uh, we got a question for you, Robbie. This one comes from Chad, and he was wondering what the difference is between the Wise Man Blue and the Red Label. Of course, the blue is called El Valencia, and the red is, you know, the, just the Wise Man. They mean the same thing, but uh, maybe you can comment a little bit on the difference in the cigars themselves. Um, you know, that's a question that. I know the main difference is going to be the wrapper. I believe the, the binders and the fillers are pretty similar. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up here real quick. And, well, and while it, I'm doing that, Randy will jump in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is that Chad to Chad, by the way? Yeah, it is. Nice. Yeah, what's, yeah. what's that about? Why, why is it Chad T. Chad? Yeah, can we, can we ask the audience some questions here? Uh, let's, let's get personal. Eric, because I've heard people try – I've literally seen people correct uh, on other shows. It's like, I think it's just Chad Chad. It's, it's, I personally prefer, prefer Chad to Chad. It's, uh, he, <laughs> that is not his last name. That's a screen 
moniker, but uh, yeah. If you if you check out the Dojo article, it talks about the original release. So uh-huh. yeah, I'm pulling um, it up right. Yeah, that was a uh, a Nicaraguan Puro, um, Corojo '99 binder, and a Corojo '99 wrapper from Jalapa. So it was basically. Um, you're right, uh, Robbie. It was it was mainly the, you know, the the wrapper was different, and but most everything else I think is pretty much the same. But it, it's it's that's one of those things where we've we've talked about sometimes just changing one leaf in a blend, and it's hard to know because we don't know if the ratios are the same. But changing one leaf in a blend can really, especially when you, that one leaf happens to be the wrapper, it can make a huge huge difference in the uh, the flavor delivery of that cigar. Flavor delivery, Randy. Do you like that? I I, I noticed that. I like that, that a lot. Was, actually. Yeah, that, that, that worked good. out really well. Thank you. I, I every now and again I have one of those pearls and I have to point them out. <laughs> There's so few and far between they can't go unnoticed. But uh, with the the changing of that wrapper, and I remember when that cigar came out, everybody was really excited because this was Nick getting back into the uh, <clears throat> back into the industry after leaving Drew Estate, and it was right around the same time that Saka came back. And they were both at Drew State at the same time. So it was. there's obvious connections between those two companies. And both of their initial releases, I think everybody was expecting their Liga release, right? Their Liga Pravada, um, uh, you know, something along those lines. And those two cigars were so different from the Liga Pravada lines that they really, I think it, it's initially, I remember it rubbing some of the people the wrong way. Like they were a little bit disappointed that they wanted something heavier. But I remember when that cigar came out for me, and this was this was back in the day. I know I did a review on it, and I know I rated it very highly. I just loved that different expression of Nicaraguan tobacco. It was like a statement to me that you can you can make a Nicaraguan puro, puro, and you don't have to have like it doesn't have to be a powerhouse cigar. It doesn't have to have a ton of spice and uh, that that uh, Esteli Lajero kick to it. But that's what everybody was used to. So um, that one was much more of a medium, medium strength, maybe medium plus on the body, but it just had uh, more a unique flavor profile to it. It was a bit more creamy, um, and uh, if memory serves, and it had. So I remember some kind of chocolatey notes, but it was a lot of cedar and cream, almost like a not like a Connecticut, but kind of had like a toasted bread kind of note to it. This the the Maduro version is is not only you know ramped up compared to it it's uh it's almost a totally different cigar a totally yeah. different experience yeah I, I i would say it comes off so differently but um you know and i think another part of the whole uh conversation about expecting nick when he branched out on his own open foundation cigars he's originally from connecticut and you know he he runs with the you know, he has Nick Aragua as a nickname. He's also gone by Chief to the Broadleaf. Um, and so I think a Broadleaf, um, a Connecticut Broadleaf was kind of a high expectation of what he he would go into. And uh, it's, it's a great story that it would win. Say, if you ever get a chance to um, listen to Nick uh, spin the tale that, you know, he was starting his own uh, brand and he had fallen in love with Nick Aragua. He had moved to Nicaragua and like just fell in, fell in love with the history, the people. And so Edwinente was really this um, this ode to the country, to the people. And uh, and so Edwinente isn't actually a Spanish word. It's this old dialect from Nicaragua. And 
There's umlauts in that one too, by the way, Rob. Uh, and so, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Wednesday was uh, a, a play, if I remember the story correctly, from Nicaraguan history about a really smart man who tricked the king by making him think he was um, uh, kind of of a lesser intelligence than the king. And, you know, fast forward to the end of the play, he takes over the kingdom or something along those lines. But uh, but it, the the story of Enwewense is like deeply rooted in Nicaraguan history and in their culture and what they were able to do. I've looked up a bunch of the characters. You know, when you look at the band, you see the two men in the hats and the horse with the mask. And that's all from the original play. And. You know, Nick was is lucky enough to work with um, uh, what is it, Thief Operandi, who's his art director, who just does such a tremendous job. He's got some you know real urban kind of graffiti feel to it, and as you can see, I mean, to me, that's one of the most gorgeous uh, bands and uh, and you know uh, pictures of a cigar I've ever seen. <laughs> such a great. Such a it great is. It's photo. a great photo. It really. I wasn't is. gonna say. I was just going to let it happen naturally, and, and sure enough. Um, no, I totally agree. Yeah, and, and all the, the – the, the, I remember the first few times I smoked this cigar, the original Way Wednesday, and I, I'm looking at the rapper or the band, and like I, in my head, I had – it looked like a different picture. Like it almost looked like two – it was like two pillars on the side, like those two gold things on the side and like a road down the middle and somebody walking down the road. That's what I saw originally. And that was just what I assumed was there. You know, sometimes your mind will filter things and you just see what you kind of expect to see. And then somebody, and then uh, we had Nick on one of my shows I was doing back in the day and he uh, described the band similar to how you just did, Randy. And I was like, wow, I was looking at that totally differently. <laughs> um, so this cigar for me, I'm getting probably, we're, we're, pro, we're at the end of the second quarter, I think. We're getting close to, to the two minute warning just about. Um, and uh the Niners are still up by what, 21. <laughs> I'm, I clearly, I've let that go. Yeah, I was going to say, it's free, it's free agent season, bro. We let it go. Let it go. That go. But no, there's, there is a ton of flavor in this. It started off with a bang. It's mellowed out. Um, mellow uh, uh, is a... Relative term. Yeah, thank you. Relatively speaking. That's what I was trying to get to. Thank you. Um, so it's medium plus on the strength. It's probably going to kick up to full for me by the time we're done. Um, definitely full body, uh, big time, big time black pepper. It's more on the palate than on the retro now for me. So it's just kind of like an earthy spice. There's some dried cocoa, and there's kind of a creaminess to to, to it as well, like a, the creaminess in the texture, and and almost like a, a, a like a chocolate cream thing going on in there. There's um, some earthiness to it as well. Really complex, very balanced. Nothing is kind of blowing anything else out of the water. Uh, what are you, what kind of flavors are you getting out of this thing? Yeah, no, I I definitely uh, agree with the dried cocoa. I, I feel like it it does have you know some sweetness, but to me it, it is more of a baking uh, cocoa characteristic. It's got some great wood characteristic, um, somewhere between cedar and oak. I feel like. Uh, it's very, very full flavored. Uh, to your point, there's a considerable amount of spice on the palate. I, I totally agree with that. You know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, so much more spice comes out in the retro hail on so many cigars. This one, 
you don't have to retrohale it to get that that nice spice bite uh, right on the palate as you take a draw from it. I think with the retro, though, for me, <clears throat> and you really kind of focus on those flavors, maybe slap your tongue around a little bit inside your mouth afterwards, kind of chewing on it a little bit. And there's there is definitely a kind of <clears throat> a kind of stewed fruit kind of note in there, like a raisiny note or something to that effect, maybe. And uh, and I I know I'm not really getting that from the beer because I was I was tasting it before um, before I started sipping on the beer. But I think when we start talking about that, oh, Bill Powers is getting some caramel too. That's a good call. It's there's there is that sweetness in there, and I'm I kind of attributing that to this to the cream like a sweet cream kind of and to that chocolate but the a caramel note i can totally see that that uh, mixes in nicely with the, that kind of raisiny uh vibe that we're getting um <clears throat> do we want to jump into the pairing here a little bit randy what do you think yeah well i mean wh what are you getting flavor wise you know i i did kind of a generic description of belgian double and what kind of flavors um would be typical for for the style in general uh, what, what are you getting? Are you getting that raisiny plum and spice yeah, character in the beer? A lot, a lot of, yeah, the spice is definitely there. And it's, <clears throat> and again, we talk about like a cabinet spice and it's, to me, it just feels like almost like, uh, my wife will make these, uh, like molasses cookies that have a little mm -hmm. bit of kind of a spice into them. There's a lot of that style of flavor, maybe not exactly the same, but that same kind of vibe in there. And that, uh, the dark flesh fruit, you know, like you were saying, like plum. I get a little bit of uh, even like a almost like a tart cherry because mm. I do get a little bit of tartness that hits the sides of, of the tongue. And I'm wondering if that's a product of smoking or drinking it while I'm smoking the cigar. But I do get a little bit of that in there, um, that yeasty, bready vibe. I get that. I think I'm a little bit sensitive to that flavor. So I get that in every Belgian style beer that I drink. I, I can take oh, unless it's a sour uh, for the most part. I can get that kind of bready note from uh, from that Belgian yeast. But I don't get that uh, kind of banana vibe that you get in like a in like a wit beer or something like that. It's uh, just a different kind of, of yeasty vibe. Yeah, but before we get into the pairing, uh, Eric, do we want to talk about the beer that you're drinking with this cigar tonight? Oh, good point. Yeah, so um, so I wasn't able to get the double, but uh, we. Oh, but you got the big daddy. Though. I got the big daddy <laughs> triple here. It's a completely different looking beer. Let me show you. Um, see if you notice. Obviously, that's uh, doesn't look at all like what they're drinking. But uh, so yeah, Randy, Robbie, Randy, help me out with this, guys. Why? What's what's the deal here? I mean, double, triple. You'd think it'd be the same, but just one's stronger or something. But they're obviously completely different. Well, one, the first thing I'll say, Eric, is you need to go back and watch the uh, first show that we did with a Belgian beer and Randy did his Belgian primer and you would uh, really know the difference that it's the, between a, a double and a triple. But, Dude, that's uh, been a long time, man. I, I've already <laughs> forgot. <laughs> it's a, a reminder for the audience too. That's, I don't remember which episode that was. It was the first Belgian beer that we did. And if you're interested in Belgian beers, and I know Randy, you're probably going to touch on some of that right now, but that was a, a real nice primer that you did back. That's like the fifth time I've mentioned it too. I appreciate that. That was actually letter M. Uh, because oh, we, that we did uh, the brewery that I worked for, 21st Amendment, uh, we do a Belgian quadruple, uh, which goes back to um, a much more similar. Uh, when you when you think of double everything we've described a double as tonight, a quadruple is a basically an imperial version of the double, and triple 
oddly just stands alone as a completely different style, not related to either the double or the quadruple. Um, and that one we paired with the Tatuaje Mexican Experiment 2, mm. which uh, I know holds a very special place in your heart. Mm. Uh, but but that was that was um, that, that is where, where we kind of got into Belgian beers is a very general topic. Uh, triples. Then we did our first triple actually on letter U with the unibrow uh, La Fin de Monde um, just last week, I guess. Uh, so uh, it was a great selection, though, Eric. I'm glad you grabbed that because while I said Westmail is credited with developing the double style, Westmail is also de- credited for developing the triple. Um, it is a stronger version of the double. It, uh, Well, I said a double is going to come in at 6 to 8% alcohol. The triple is going to come in between 7 and 10% alcohol. Uh, it also is going to have that peppery spice. They also use candy sugar. Um, but it's a white candy sugar. It's not caramelized the same way. And so again, where, where most of the color for, uh, doubles and quads is coming from that caramelized candy sugar. They just use uncaramelized straight up, uh, sugar for the triple, but they'll use up to 20% in their recipe of, uh, sugar to really boost that alcohol, give some, um, some yeast complexity again, as the yeast consume that that longer chain sugar, they're working harder. So they're stressed out. And so just different flavors are coming out of them. It's always known to be very highly carbonated. Uh, another thing we've talked about, I think it was, uh, the episode S when we talked about Sierra Nevada, uh, being bottle conditioned, we talked about what bottle conditioning is and these classic Belgian beers, um, especially the Trappists are always going to be bottle conditioned, which gives that thick, foamy, moosey head, uh, that you should have seen when you poured that, Eric. Uh, again, it's going to be peppery and spicy, but the fruit characters, instead of being those dark flesh fruits, you're going to get more of a citrus character in a fruity way, not like in a hoppy way. Um, and you'll get apricot, and you'll get some, maybe even some persimmon characteristics. And, you know, the style that is probably, you know, triple, I, I think, is unquestionably the most popular uh, Belgian style rebrewed by American craft breweries. It's you'll, you'll find a lot more triples than you do doubles in general. I, I, I actually haven't had the, you know, Rob, you mentioned the brewery you work for laughing monk in San Francisco does a double. I haven't had that one yet. I'm going to have to try that. Hey, but, we've, got uh, a, we've got a double and a triple. Oh, you do. Oh, okay. Well, laughing monk, obviously uh, Belgian style beers were, <laughs> were kind of part of the plan when, when they uh, developed the brand. Indeed. But um, Randy, did you want to touch on these slides at all? We got um, the double slide and the triple slide that you uh, the graphic that you gave me before the show. Or if you want to throw those up and have them so floating this is the around double. on the screen, Here's or, the there double. you go. All right. Yep. Hey, that's the beer we're drinking. Right there. Yes, it, it is. So talk, you know, I'm... talk me through that. Yeah, so so double is the Dutch word for double. Um, it's dubel, uh, I, I think, uh, officially. As far as I really like putting the Spanish accent on Spanish words, I don't, I don't try too hard with with languages I don't speak as a as a primary language. But um, but it, it is uh, again deep red, copper in color, somewhat strong, bitterness can vary significantly from one to another. You know, I, I would say the one that we're drinking here doesn't have a lot of bitterness. It has probably just enough to keep it from being cloyingly sweet. 
but it definitely leans more to the sweet side rather than the bitter side. Um, and then, you know, we, we basically talked about these, you know, caramel, toast, cocoa. Um, it'll never have those roast or burnt flavors. Again, that color's not coming from a roasted barley. Uh, and then dark raisin and prune. Um, I, I get a little bit more kind of deep red plum from this one than going all the way to that, to that, um, that super rich prune characteristic um, in this specific bottle that I'm drinking here. But um, and and then that spiciness. So uh, yeah. So then we'll move on to the the triple here, which is what you were kind of talking about a second ago. That's yeah. that's next slide. Yeah. So uh, basically, I mean, these are slides that I've created, and this is as I know them, and and we've done a lot of research to uh, point this all out already. Uh, obviously, a little bit higher carbonation. In, in the triple, so you should get a little bit of a sting when you're drinking that, Eric, that's coming from the, the carbonic acid from high levels of, of carbon dioxide. Um, and and again, you know, you'll, you'll see Belgian Golden Strongs quite frequently. You know, Duvel's one of the classic, you know, iconic Belgian Golden Strongs. It's a little bit uh, uh, lighter in body, a little bit more easy drinking, where the triple style's a little bit more full mouthfeel and uh and is going to be just a, a tad darker they're both still blonde colored beers um but a little bit more more of that like stray straw hue versus um just a bright yellow golden that you'll see from the belgian golden strongs but um but you know do, do these flavors resonate with you eric as you're sitting there Absolutely, yeah. That, you you hit that right on the head, man. That's an amazing description. Fantastic, fantastic. How's it how's it going with that cigar? Oh, this cigar is fantastic. Now, I think that for me, the beer <clears throat> is taking away a lot of like the peppery spice out of the cigar, and it's turning the cigar into maybe more of a, a dried fruit plum kind of flavor. And I, I think Jordan earlier said he wasn't super excited about this beer because he's drinking the same beer and the, and the and the same cigar. But I kind of like it, so I'm enjoying what the beer is doing to the cigar and how it's affecting it. Now, Eric, you're smoking the same thing we are, right? The yes. Wise Man Maduro. Correct. So, Randy, I would think that the uh, original Elway Wednesday would go better with the triple. Yeah, I'd probably agree yeah. agree with you there, but. Uh, Eric's description there, where I think you already pointed out, there's enough similarities in the double and the cigar in those kind of darker fruit and spicy characteristics. Eric, you're saying that it's more pronounced in the cigar since you're not finding those same flavors in the in the beer. Is that right? Yeah, or maybe it's just that the beer is uh, changing the way my you know palate is tasting the cigar in some way mm -hmm. to where. I'm used to this cigar being, you know, maybe a, a little bit uh, more, a little bit more, have a little more pepper to it or a little bit more sweetness. But now it's just sort of more um, subdued. So I'm guessing mm -hmm. that the beer is taking some of that away. But to me, that's making for a nice pair. I don't know. You know, I some people might not like that it does that. I tend to like that it does that. Well, Jordan's got a mic. Can we ask Jordan what he doesn't <clears throat> like about the pairing? Jordan, what? What are your thoughts, Jordan? 
Um, there's this a similarity between the spiciness between the two of them, but in almost every other term, I'm just getting contrasting flavors that don't mix very well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've never smoked this cigar with a triple. Um, yeah, it wouldn't strike me as as the first thing I'd I'd want to pair it with. Obviously, um, Rob said several times in his live videos and his in his uh, prep for this show that. Uh, this is a pairing that we had identified several, several letters ago. Uh, it might have been in the earliest stages of developing this show and the, and the alphabet because um, we, we assumed that uh, a lot of those similar characteristics would go well. So getting into the pairing, Rob, to your point, um, I think intensity-wise, uh, I think we're fairly close. I think the cigar is a little bit stronger then what I would, uh, it has a little bit more intensity on the palate than the beer is. The beer is still pretty soft and mellow, even though it has some uh, very pronounced fruit and spice characteristics. I think they're a little below the threshold of intensity that I'm getting from the cigar. Um, they're close. Uh, I, I think I expected it to be closer. What do you think? I actually am the exact opposite. I think that the beer has uh, the the intensity of flavor on the beer hits my palate a bit harder than mm. the uh, than the cigar does and again not not by a ton so i think we're talking about <clears throat> maybe like a 5 to 10% difference sure. if you know if you want to throw a number on it so i, I just think it's interesting that you said when you kind of were i could tell when you were getting into intensity that you were going to say they weren't quite on um, quite on par but I just, it's interesting that we went on the opposite sides. Yeah. But to me, the, uh, the, there's a sweetness to the beer. There's a palate coating kind of thickness maybe to the flavor. And the cigar does cut through it, but I find myself puffing on the cigar a couple of times before I take my next sip of beer, which is normally not what I do. So <clears throat> it's, it's a slight little difference, but not much. Um, for me, the, if you want to get into the, uh, the flavor hook mm -hmm. for me, there is that earthy kind of sweetness and, and from the beer, it's a bit more fruit driven. And from the cigar, I think it's a bit more earthy, but there's a sweetness and like a chewy, fruity, sweet kind of vibe that and like a, almost like a fig Newton, but not really mm -hmm. a fig Newton, but like that same kind of texture, I guess. I don't know what I'm really trying to say, but there is a very definite flavor hook. Maybe you can articulate it better than me. I love Fig Newton as, as a descriptor for the beer. I, I honestly, that, that kind of jammy uh, fig we hadn't mentioned, you know, we've, we've talked about plums, prunes and, and raisins. I think figs, uh, um, obviously still in that same family. I think that's a, a, that's a great description, obviously, um, bringing in some of that bready toasty characteristic that you'd get from the cookie. Um, the, uh, and, and to your point about the, the stickiness and the coating, again, you know, having a sweet beer is always going to give you that, um, that more viscous feel, which is going to coat your palate and going to linger uh, more with those flavors. And I, I agree with that entirely. And, and as far as the, the flavor hook, there's a lot of great similarities that, to your point, aren't identical to each other. You know, you don't necessarily smoke uh, the wise man and think um, dark stewed fruit every time but it really does become more um 
more, uh, you know, that that those descriptors fit the cigar better when you're drinking this beer. I think it it kind of brings those out. We've talked a lot about that when we when we rate these or vote on these uh, pairings is um, is that what we're looking for in a pairing is do they uh, amplify each other? Do they uh, do they bring something out of the other component that you might not have experienced? without that pairing or with a different pairing, like what Eric's uh, tasting over there. I'm guessing that we're both kind of more fruit driven as a result of having the fruit of your beverage in our glass. Guys, we have a question from uh, Kevin Acuff. Kevin wants to know, what would you pair it with the cigar? I assume if you couldn't find this exact beer, what would be a good pairing if you couldn't find the beer that you have right now. And Robbie, you can't say scotch. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I would yeah. say scotch for this one. I, I'd go with more of, uh, of a bourbon with a bit of a bite to it. He asked about beer. You always go to scotch. With, with... <laughs> it's, I, I like scotch. What are you, you going to say? Uh, for, for me, with this, with this there's a, a ton of possibilities as far as like, just about any dark beer. I would think, really. I mean, maybe not anything too high in the, uh, excuse me, too high in the um, in the sweetness. Like I wouldn't want to go super super sweet, like uh, the the vanilla shake that we had last week. I think that would be too much. Uh, Anything barrel aged would probably run the cigar over a bit. If you're barrel aged, go with the Tabernacle. That's probably going to work out better. Um, So yeah, like a brown ale porter. Uh, uh, oh, a chocolate stout though, but that's a little bit. Again, and I know I'm kind of contradicting myself because a chocolate stout is going to be a bit sweeter. Um, maybe not like a chocolate oatmeal stout because that's going to be either or a milk stout or something. It's going to be really sweet, but something with a, a chocolate uh, thing in there. Whiskey does start with a W. You're absolutely right. Um, I, that that would be my thoughts. What about you, Randy? Yeah, you know I uh, I kind of agree that. There, there's so much. Um, you mentioned the complexity of the cigar. There, there is some of that cabinet spice, which is kind of a cop out to say because cabinet spice can range anything from cinnamon to nutmeg to allspice. Um, uh, and but, but you do get that nice kind of undertone of spiciness that I think it could get run over uh, in uh, a beer that's too strong or too sweet. To your point, yeah. And so. I, I would probably lean towards maybe a, a little bit sweeter of a porter, or if you want to try and find something that's going to also um, align with that spiciness. One of the reasons we chose a Belgian beer with this because we knew it would uh, deliver on spice. Um, uh, Imperial American Brown that that uh, had a little bit of spicy characteristic from the hop coming through, as well as some of those roasted chocolatey characteristics that, that you were referencing that you'd look for in a in, typically more of a porter or a stout. Uh, there's some American browns that I could think uh, would go really well with this as well. Hey, uh, Randy, we've got a question uh, from, actually for both of you, really. Uh, what brand of brown ale and porter, uh, any specific do you recommend? I guess he's just asking which ones do you like? Or there's some, maybe one or two that each one of you guys think are good examples. Uh, I'll jump in on the porter. <clears throat> And I'll go back to our letter A. That Anchor Porter is is a really, I mean, it's it's a classic beer from an American standpoint. Um, 
and it's a really good representation of that style. And it's it's a little bit sweet, not too much. It's mm-hmm. just got a little bit of sweetness to it that kind of balance out the uh, the heavier flavors in the beer. I think that's a, just a fantastic uh, representation that I think most people across the country can find. Mm-hmm. You know, Anchor is pretty uh, pretty widely available. Uh, I think so. And uh, you can't go wrong with a prairie. Yeah, uh, the prairie bomb might be a bit much. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I drank a bunch of the prairie beers here recently. They've got a. Um, those are those are big, sweet, viscous, heavy stouts, um, and typically, you know, most versions of them do have coffee, chocolate, uh, Mexican chilies uh, in them. I, I would think I, I'm with Rob on that one. That those might overpower and and kind of hide some of uh, some of those um, more nuanced complexities of spice that, that you get in the cigar. Uh, when I said a sweeter porter, I literally was thinking specifically about that letter A show we did and, and what, what we talked about with the anchor porter. And, you know, anchor porter, for whatever reason, I always get this aroma of like a um, of a banana chip. You know, you know, the chips, the, those dehydrated banana chips. I always get this aroma of that. And so I think it has some uh, nice ale fruity esters. <clears throat> And again, is is kind of sub what six and a half percent ish. Um, might even be down as low as five and a half percent if I can't re- quite recall the ABV on that. But I think that would go really well with this. Um, we also did the Heretic Porter, which is very viscous and rich. I think you know it has some great chocolate notes that that would go with this. I would probably lean towards the Anchor just because of that. Uh, additional fruity characteristic, and and I wouldn't want to overpower the uh, the cigar. And then an Imperial American Brown um, uh, Lagunitas does one called Wilco Fo- uh, Wilco Tango Foxtrot that I actually have uh, smoked uh, drank with this cigar recently, and it's kind of what I was thinking of when I was thinking of that spicy with some. Ch- chocolate it's still thin enough that it doesn't coat your mouth the same way that this double is uh and that that goes exceptionally well with this cigar in my opinion and is uh really um prevalently found uh in distribution throughout the states as well probably not in wyoming sorry patrick i I, i've got to go to wyoming just to see what the heck beer selection is available desert man they've got nothing nothing you you go into a, a a liquor store and tumbleweeds roll by like there's just there's just nothing happening in the beer section uh, a couple of that uh, were put up on the screen here um uh w- one uh, somebody just mentioned the uh brown sugar from lagunitas that's a uh, that's an american barley wine that's a, a beer that we've featured we featured that one right <clears throat> sure did. and i i would think that that you know that one's going to be pretty close because that's a heavier beer it's on the sweeter side that would be an interesting pairing. I think that's as far as I would want to go um, uh, strength-wise, I guess, in, in a yeah. beer uh, to pair with this. I, I think you might overrun it, but it's worth a shot because it's a good cigar and it's a good severe, good beer. You can't really go too wrong. And Patrick mentioned another beer that we've done, the Founders uh, Underground Mountain. Oh, yeah. Now, that's a that's a brown ale, imperial brown ale, and it's barrel-aged. And it's yeah. barrel-aged. And it's barrel aged not very long, I'm guessing. It doesn't say anywhere. I, I would guess it's probably a month to three months on that barrel aging because there's not a ton of that barrel flavor that's coming through. 
or they're using barrels that have been used several, like been filled more than once um, <clears throat> with beer. So that I, that's that beer, and we did an episode with that one as well. Um, I think that is just about any Maduro cigar on the market is going to pair well with that beer. It doesn't come out very often. I think it's I don't know if it's seasonal or or, or what, but it's uh, it's part of their barrel aged series. Uh, from founders and whenever i see it i grab a couple i think they're four packs i grab a couple four packs because that's just a phenomenal beer to pair with like i said just about any um maduro cigar and i mean some naturals too i mean that's going to pair really well with a lot of different things because it's got that coffee note in it and a little Mm -hmm. bit of sweetness but it's not over the top that's a great call patrick on that one yeah i i agree that it doesn't have a a lot of that uh dark roast character or dark chocolate (laughs) character it's uh very very flavor forward, um, but I agree that that's one of the more universally easily paired uh, with cigar beers that, that we, we've had. I'd say. Yeah, I for here's an idea for the in between season. We just do like seven episodes with that beer and a bunch of different cigars, <laughs> and I think we'll get seven thumbs up unless yeah, we go yeah. with like a, a really light Connecticut or something. But uh, yeah, I think those uh, an Imperial American Brown is not a very common style. Um, there's the Maduro brown ale from cigar city. I know that one is, uh, it's not Imperial, but it's a brown ale. That's another one that might uh, pair kind of nicely with this. But if, if you're looking for styles and this is, and I've mentioned this before, but it's one thing that I'll do if we're, we're doing a beer that's maybe a bit specific, look it up on untapped or, uh, uh, untapped is a, a beer app. If you've got that, they'll, they'll suggest like similar beers. Or you can look it up, really look it up online if through any of the, like, uh, Beer Advocate or something like that. And you can look at the style that's related to it. You can see some other beers that are are um, uh, highlighted in that particular style that will, you know, not always be exactly the same. But they'll give you a, a, a pretty good experience and an idea of, you know, maybe I can't get this particular beer. But this one, like, two or three down the list, I can I know I can get so I can try that one, that kind of thing. It's a good place to go. Any more questions, Eric? Uh, no other questions right now. Um, I guess we're getting to the point of the show where we got to hear what you guys thumbs up or thumbs down this pairing, man. I'm excited to find out. I don't even know yet. <laughs> I, I well, I'll go first. I'm going to give this one a pretty hefty thumbs up for me. It's it's not uh, quite as good as I I was hoping for it to be, but it's still very very good. My expectations were really high though. Yeah, well. Um... Rob and I weren't necessarily aligned on on where we were sensing the intensity. I'm also going to give it a thumbs up. Uh, it is a very very good pairing. Uh, you, you you wouldn't go wrong if you if you had picked this up uh, prior to the show. We'd love to hear your uh, comments. Do you guys think it's a, it's a good pairing? I think this is you'd be doing just fine if you wanted to bring some friends over and and have a a pairing prepared that you, that you wanted to talk to them about and uh, give someone an example of where a beer and a and a cigar. Uh, do pair w- really well uh, in their flavor profiles. I think this is a uh, this is a very very solid uh, example of of that. I think Rob, you know, you had mentioned your first Belgian double was an American version, oh. and, and when we talk about American versions of really any other uh, nation nation's uh, original styles, uh, an American version is typically going to be a little bit more ramped up. A little bit more punchy, a little bit more hoppy, a little bit more bitter, a little bit more everything, even higher in ABV a lot of times. Um, 
I wouldn't mind hunting down, a, you know, maybe the Laughing Monk double um, and uh, an American <clears throat> version of this where you get a little bit more of some of those characteristics. I, I felt like, uh, again, the Belgian style in, in general, they, they go for very balanced, very soft kind of flavors. Um, and, and, you know, your palate changes, right? You acclimate to what, what you're used to. And, and I think for, for me, I'm, I'm looking just such a full flavored cigar. I'm looking for, you know, bring these same flavors at a little bit more uh, um, elevated levels, I think would uh, increase and improve the pairing all that much more. Hey, yeah, Robbie, would- Randy, both of you guys, question, I'll, I'll ask both of you guys. In the, uh, in the cigar world, the American market, you know, tends to really like bold, strong, you know, in-your-face flavors, lots of Lijero, lots of, you know, boom, boom, boom. And it sort of seems that way about beer as well. Like, it seems like the American market isn't so much for the subtleties. They want the crazy, bold stuff. Why do you think that is? Hmm. I, I'd go so far as to say, you know, it. it Beer is such a more common beverage in the the great, you know, most of Europe, especially where you're drinking it from a young age, you, you drink it with dinner. It's, it's such a like more regular staple beverage where in America we're, we're drinking for flavor delivery specifically. And so, um, I think that might play into it. It's I'm sure not the only factor, but, um, but to your point, I, I, you can say that about cigars and, and, beers that the american version is always going to be uh in your face stronger version than uh than those other <clears throat> origins rob i no, i totally agree i think that's you you kind of you articulated what i was going to say but in a different way i was just i think with in with american styles especially with craft with the, the rise in craft beer there is we, we <laughs> You said exactly what I was going to say. We we really drink a, a particular beer or any beer really or any spirit or anything because we really want to have just that kick of of flavor. If you compare a an American IPA to an English IPA, it's uh, it's totally totally different. Like if you go like you're in London and you go order an IPA, it's not gonna you're gonna be disappointed because it's not gonna taste the same. It's gonna taste like a light version of a session IPA. <laughs> uh, you know, like the, the session, session, ultra session, whatever you want to call it. So it. I mean, unless you're going with like craft brewery over there, because they're they're uh, they're sale, they're probably doing the same kind of stuff that we are. But um, also, a lot of that is the, the market has just completely changed in the last. I don't know when was uh, IPA initially done was sort of like a hundred years ago or something like that. <clears throat> Randy, that was a question. Yeah. In the United States, or no, in like when it was originally created, when they they added all the extra hops so the beer would stay fresh to get to the. I'm the fairly church. confident that England colonized India a little more than a hundred years ago. Okay, oh, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, 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 I'm not going to go out and cite dates by by any means, but but yeah, I think it goes back even further than that. I was, I just used it as a big number, trying to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a jerk. That got so snarky, didn't he? Jeez. <laughs> mm. Mm. I'm pretty sure that you're an idiot, Rob. <laughs> Thanks. Jerky. Oh, well, you know, you know, I I'd love to hear. I, I know Jordan since he's got the mic over there. I just, yeah. I just I'm gonna keep calling him out. Jordan's got a lot of uh, 
pretty strong opinions. I know Jordan's a, a huge craft beer fan and uh, pays a lot of attention to this stuff. I, I mean, what, what does uh, Jordan have to say to the whole, why is the American palate so much more uh, strength-driven than what we see a lot of the, the uh, European and Central American, for that matter, countries? Because we take things to the extreme, baby. <laughs> 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 ah, not I, satisfied. I think that he's actually onto it there. It seems he's like totally the right. American spirit is to just, you know, take something and push it to its absolute limits. And that's just sort of part of our culture. It's not better or worse. It's just the way we are. It's uh, it, when he when you say that, it reminds me of this is where Rob goes off on a weird tangent. The original RoboCop. You guys have all seen that. Of course, one hundred and fifty percent of us. When, when they, indeed, thank you. When uh, they they'll they're showing like the news and they cut to commercials that are obviously fake commercials, but they're commercials you'll be seeing in that time. And there's a commercial for the car, and I can't remember what the car is, but like the whole tagline was like bigger, better, yeah. stronger, six miles to the gallon, like, yeah. America. <laughs> and they, and they show like this dinosaur looks at the car, and the dinosaur's like, whoa, because this car is just huge. It's like that, like it's super, just super charged American Pennies, challengers. Come on, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the America. car kind of looks like that. I, I don't remember what the car was called. But. It's what we do, I suppose. I'm gonna have to watch RoboCop tonight now. Such a great movie. One of the best. I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, that is a great, <laughs> great when, movie. When Jordan and Dominic Thanks. were like little kids, they were like two and three years old. They would like watch that movie before they went to school. That was probably terrible parenting. Now you know why I turned out. In the way. morning? <laughs> in, the, in the morning. <laughs> and their favorite part was when the guy was like a total mutant because he fell into like yes. all the radioactive stuff and then got splattered all over the windshield. Or yeah. at the beginning when before he's Robocop, he gets shot like 500,000 times from like five feet away. <laughs> See, and we laugh at that. There it is, America. Yeah, exactly. America. That's that's why we want the jacked up flavors in our palates. It's all I blame it all on RoboCop. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna, I was actually going to blame it on Coca Cola, but uh, yeah. same same kind of concept. That's true. Yeah. So uh, so I guess that kind of does it, right? I mean, we've got uh, uh, what do we got next week, Randy? We've got the Stone Choco Vesa. Is that how you say it? Perfect. I said it wrong every time. I used to call it the Zoco Vesa, but it's a silent X. Choco Vesa. Which is imperial stout with, or maybe it's just a stout with uh, coffee and chocolate, and I think there's like a pepper or something in there. Yeah, I, if my memory serves me correctly, it's an imperial stout inspired by Mexican hot chocolate, there you and go. and is brewed with chocolate, coffee, pasilla peppers, uh, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. So, you know, going right back to some of those kitchen spice or uh, or cabinet spices that that we reference so much in in cigar reviews and and descriptors. Um, so yeah, very much looking for that. What, what what cigar are we pairing with that? We're pairing that with the Opus X Angel Share, Randy. Oh my gosh! What? <laughs> we are going. What? <laughs> we are going like over the top. See, now I was kind of pushing for an Opus X with the Dos Equis. I thought that would just been just like the total just paradigm opposites of uh, the spectrum. But um, this uh, the Chaco Vesa is a really interesting beer. I'm super curious to see how this turns out because like Opus X is, it, I don't smoke them a ton, 
But I, the way I remember them is they're it's a little it's stronger than your your average uh, Fuente, but it's still not like super super strong, and they're kind of elegant in the flavors and kind of not delicate but elegant in the the balance of flavor. So I'm curious to see how this pairing is going to go. And I think Randy, if memory serves, and maybe I'm making this up, the Chaco Vesa was initially came out as like. They did something with a home brewer. There was some kind of story behind that. Maybe we'll get into that next week. But yeah, I, I could be totally lying. But I, I feel like that's that pops into my head somewhere. So that's something we'll talk about next week. Uh, Eric, what are we doing Friday on uh, Smoke Night Live? So yeah, I got a couple things that we can talk about. Uh, just real quick for everybody. We um, since all this stuff is going on, yeah, um, with everybody's kind of being trapped at home, they don't can't get to work, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Friday, We're going live every night. Uh, Friday, well, in almost, yeah, kind of. Uh, that's this my second thing I'll tell you about. But um, the first thing is Friday night, Smoke Night Live. Uh, you two will be back. Uh, it'll be me and Jordan here in studio, along with Emmett from Blind Man's Puff. We will all be instead of all trying the same pairing. We're all going to just bring a a pairing that we all like, and it doesn't have to be beer. It could be anything. It could be coffee. It could be whiskey bourbon whatever so we'll all be picking a pairing that we want to share as something that we really really like want to share with everybody but also we're going to be talking about you know just the stuff that's going on right now uh as far as a what are the three shows that you would most like to binge when you're quarantined or sheltered in in place and what are the three albums that you would most likely just keep on repeat over and over and over if you're stuck in your house during one of these uh, episodes that we're having. So uh, Robbie, Randy, Emmett, Jordan, and myself will all have our picks on those items, which should be interesting and fun. Maybe we'll give some stuff away, have a good time on Friday night. Uh, as you know, on Friday nights, it's kind of a free-for-all. We just go with it and goof, so that'll be fun. But guys, here's another kind of cool thing. Because everybody's hankering to do stuff, uh, we're playing around with this uh, 24-7 live chat and um, you can get the details. Uh, we just did it to, for the first time tonight where you can go into a video chat room 24-7 with dojo people and hang out and just talk. Talk about what you're smoking. Talk about what you're doing. Uh, we'll share the link occasionally on the dojo app. We don't want it slipping out into the general public. But we did one tonight, and it was like, I don't know, at least like eight guys on there. And it was a total blast. We had a great time. So uh, that's something that we're going to do for the next couple months so that guys have some place to go, some place to, to you know, actually put a face with a name and talk and talk about their cigars with each other. So it'll be a ton of fun. Randy, you were on there tonight. It was a good time, right? Yeah, that was fantastic. It was the closest thing I've ever uh, been able to achieve as you know, from home, have that lounge feel. There was, um, I believe at, at, at its height, we were, there was nine of us. And I was surprised as to how um, kind of – controlled the conversation was maybe it's because i just control conversations when i'm <laughs> part of them but no. <laughs> but 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 yeah i mean um I, i'm really excited about adding that in you know i'm i'm a regular on the app i really enjoy uh posting what i'm smoking having some back and forth uh, chat so to take that to you know it's somewhere between the cigar dojo app and a real life uh, lounge visit um, was a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. You'll definitely find me uh, popping in, and uh, and to your point, the whole face is with the name. Uh, there is four other dojo guys that I know by name. I communicate with them on the regular basis on the app, and I'd never seen their faces, so it was kind of cool. I'm like, oh well, who are you? And oh, you're kidding. You know, we were talking last night, kind of thing. You know, 
Um, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. So the idea is um, uh, have it open constantly, 24-7, so you can go in there at any moment. And if you're on the dojo and you want to talk to the video chat with a couple guys, just tell them right then, hey, guys, let's pop into the, the virtual lounge there. And there's just a, a, a one URL that you, you pop in and you can get to it with your phone or your computer. It doesn't really matter. It's super easy to use. And so we're going to be playing with that for the next month or so while we're in this uh, bizarre quarantine that we're in. That gives us a chance to be in the lounge, but not actually be in the lounge. So uh, that should be fun. So, hey, man, guys, uh, thanks for letting me produce the show tonight and be a part of this. I always learn stuff when I'm on the show with you, too. Yeah, we. Uh, this is a blast. I do have one last thing I got to announce. Um, I... Anybody that follows the show, follows Dojo, knows that I maybe blindly, and it'll never work, but I have been hounding Eric to uh, nominate me or allow me to be nominated <laughs> for the uh, Cigar Dojo Hall of Fame. Uh, it's <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm, this is my this is my moment. I'm gonna stump. It's it's live, so you guys can't cut this out later. Um, the uh, <laughs> And, and one of one of our fans, one of the dojo um, contributors, Mike Hankins, has been a awesome supporter of that. He, he, he you know, roots for me to to get in uh, on a constant basis. And so, kind of randomly out, out out of nowhere on Smoke Night Live on Friday, I announced him the winner of an unannounced contest. <laughs> so. <laughs> so um, I'm super excited about sending out a package for Mike. Uh, Mike, if you're watching, I am going to hold off on that shipment right now because I think it's probably not in anyone's best interest that I'm doing a whole lot of shipping. Um, but when I do, I'll, I'll sanitize and, and all that stuff. But, but you will have a, uh, a, a fun personal uh, gift from flavor odyssey officially i'll throw in some stickers and and um i've been known to to kind of hoard some some cool cigar merch uh here and there so um so so so, so watch out for that and uh to to eric's point would love to do some giveaways coming up on on friday night as well so uh it'd be awesome if you guys tuned in so that was great, Randy. Now, we heard the part about you uh, giving something to Mike Hankins, but we didn't hear anything else. I didn't hear any, You cut out there. There was some Gosh. sort of weird bleeping noise that I did. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, yeah, I didn't hear anything. I, I heard you given a prize, and that was it. That, that was, yeah, was all I heard. So, <laughs> what are you I'm going to show up with a cardboard sign that just says <laughs> Hall of Fame on it. <laughs> We'll uh, we'll just we'll never know we'll never know what's, I don't I, you said something about cardboard and cut out again I don't we'll never know what's gonna happen but uh, thanks again to everybody for tuning in Eric uh, Jordan studio audience thanks for hanging out with us uh, I hope you guys like this live version um, this was a lot of fun for us and you know maybe we'll do it we'll probably do it again uh, in the you know we've got the uh, the time to do it now but uh, we'll hopefully be able to see you guys hanging out in the the dojo lounge as well. Um, I feel like we should give a prize to the first person that goes in there when Randy isn't in there. When Randy's not there, they should win something because I think he's going to be he's going to have it on his phone, just carrying <laughs> it around all the time. Um, a question about that before we sign off, Eric: Is there a limit to the number of people that can be in there? Uh, currently, the limit is twelve. Okay, but I'm just curious. if so it, there, there if, it gets, uh, if it gets if it gets if it gets crazy and it starts to take off, uh, I can increase that. 
but with just a little extra cash, you know, just to throw some cash out there. And uh, I can get it up to as many as 50 people if we have to. So. Oh, that would be a train wreck. That would be. 50, 50 people. That would be kind of fun. That would be a train wreck, 50, here, right? 50 people. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, so 12 people. That's not too bad. That's easy to control, especially yeah. if Randy's in there holding court. Sure. <laughs> on his soapbox. But uh, again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate the support. We'll see you uh, next next Saturday. Why was I going to say Saturday? What day is it? It's Wednesday. Next yeah. Wednesday on the uh, dojo. Are we going at the same time next week, guys? Have we decided that yet? Yeah, I think I think we should. I think we should. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to try it out. You know, if you're if you're watching, you know, chime in. Let us know if this time slot uh, works better. And uh, and yeah, I, I say we try it again next week. So yeah, we'll stick in. with it. We'll stick with it for uh, for the for the time being. But again, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next Wednesday when the Odyssey continues. Thank you.